It's a bit cold outside, so I'm going to warm you up. You, you do not have to participate. This is not forced fun. But if you'd like to, just touch your head. Now your forehead. And if you're an elderly person, touch the palms of your hands. All of those places have been anointed. At your baptism, on the crown of your head, you were anointed and sent out to bring glad tidings, to teach, to preach, to bring good news to, the, to those who were held captive, to those who were poor in spirit, those who want to hear the word of God. At your confirmation, you stood publicly in front of a bishop and said that you were willing to accept the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to take them out and renew the face of the earth. And as you get older, as we get older, our hands are anointed so that we can continue to serve the Lord even in our weakness, our frailty, and our illness. So that's my thought for the beginning of this. Just it was a little bit of a, a warm up to because I think what what's happening is that that, that 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 we sometimes forget those anointings. Jesus said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me," and we think, "Well, there you go. That's what that's what it is. It's for the it's for him." And then we go back to Paul's reading and say, "Those who are appointed apostles, the bishops, those who are their successors, their priests, their deacons." You know, there's a couple of people maybe outstanding in life that do some great things for us in the name of the Lord. But all of us have been called. Every one of us has been anointed uh, with that holy oil, the oil of gladness, the oil of, 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 of service, the oil of truth. Called at our baptism, called at our confirmation, called throughout our lives as we confess our sins, as we, as we affirm our belief in the real presence of the Lord in the Eucharist, as we wish peace to one another, as we go forth when the Mass is ended called to go out there and change our world, make it new. And how do we do that best? Well, as Christian people, we do it best with the Word of God. You know, sometimes, you know, people say, well, the Catholics are taking a long time to catch up. We are the Word of God. You and I, you and our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, we are the Word of God. We are the ones who are sent. We are the ones who have been chosen. We are the ones lifted from lowly places to high places. We are the ones who have been asked to, to uh, look at others in their need before we look at ourselves so that the Lord's work may be done. So it takes me back to that first reading from, from uh, Nehemiah. You know, what's happening in, in that reading? Generations of people have forgotten the word. It is, they've been exiled. Their temple has been destroyed and pillaged. The, the, the foreign lands have come in and taken it all away. And generation after generation, they chipped away at the word of God and, 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 and made them, almost forced them to forget the good things that God had done. So they were, they were really void of any scripture, any worship, any study. Of, of the, of the word, any way of worshiping God, similar to you and I for two years of dead silence in, 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 in this pandemic. You know, we, we longed for that, that moment when we could gather together. We longed for, you know, one of the things I said as a pastor in my last parish, somebody asked me, what are you going to do when everyone returns? And I said, I'm actually going to cry in public for the first time. I miss them so much. Even the ones that get on your nerves. You know, but, but, but you know, you just think about that. You think about how void we can be, how generation after generation of our own time has lost the faith. 
Great song. I love to tell the story about Jesus. It's the story of my life. It's the story of our life. And we forget sometimes that we have to tell that story. And so, so Nehemiah comes, and, and I mentioned Nehemiah in my series on the prophets. Nehemiah comes, and he's a pretty good guy. He's not a Jew. But he's like, this, you have a right to worship. You have a right to, to the knowledge of your faith. You have a right to know what God has done for you. So he tasks Ezra, and he says, go out there. And, and they found these scrolls. Someone was smart enough to hide the scrolls. It was very clever, and they, they hid that Torah, those, those books of, the, of Moses, those five books of the Bible that were so important to everyone's life, how God formed a people through those books. And Ezra translates that into a language, and the, and the king says, everybody come. Imagine filling all of our um, football stadiums and basketball arenas and the, the largest places we can imagine, filled you know, they probably estimated the time when this was read, maybe fifty to eighty thousand people, just all gathered, and, and they were they were silent as the word of God. They stood, as you just heard Rick read it, for from from sun up to to midday, so six hours. They stood and just listened intently, and among that crowd were scribes and 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 other rabbis who were moving from place to place to so that they could be in small groups and explain to the people what was being read, what was being said, what it meant. You know, and Ezra went on and started to read for, to people who were starved for the word. They were hungry to hear those stories of creation. They wanted to, to know about Noah and his ark. They wanted to hear about Abraham and Sarah. Joseph and his brothers, all their captivities, and, and they wanted to hear about Miriam and Moses. They wanted to remember those Ten Commandments and, 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 and the instructions that God gave as he built his community. They longed for it. Not only did they long for it, they cried. They were so moved. How could God that we had forgotten be so patient with us? How could God have been so loving to us? How could God be so forgiving? Why is God so full of love? They were living as we live, in a world of doubt, a world of despair. They had lots of questions about the meaning and purpose of their existence and the things that were happening around them. They could hear, they, they heard the stories of God's glory. They heard the story of his forgiveness, his mercy, his love. And he heard that what they heard is what I hope we hear every time we're in this church that God has made a promise to us to make everything good in the end. You know, everything. You know, you continue to make these things, oh Lord, you make them good, you make them holy, and you give them to us. You know, sometimes we, you know, we forget that God exists because of us, for us, with us. Why it's so easy, it's mysterious to most people, but easy for us to understand as Christians why God would want to be like us in all things, but sin and in the incarnation of Jesus Christ shows us that. Why God continues to bring his word to life in our midst, whether we half listen or wholly listen. It's why God continues to show his love for us in the breaking of bread at an altar, the body and blood of his own son. It's why God continues to confer sacraments upon us, why God continues to, to raise prophets and teachers and people that Paul listed in that second reading today. So that we have an opportunity to, to not be ignorant of Scripture, to not be um, 
void of, of this knowledge. But, and, 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 you know, I don't expect that today during any of the two games that are going to be on that during halftime you all get out your Bible and read it. But we need to be aware. We need to know what's happening. We need to be more attentive to the, to the voice of God so that, so that we do not grieve, so that we do not weep. You know, one of the threads through that reading, if, if you didn't pick it up, is that, that basically we're being told, stop standing around boo-hooing about yourself. What does Nehemiah say? Nehemiah says, go home and eat a hamburger and a couple pizzas. <laughs> he says, go home and eat rich food. Go home and have that chocolate cake. You know, now, now don't come after me if you gain weight. But, um, but he, he says, go home and eat rich food, drink good wine, enjoy life. Because God is with you. God is here. You know, don't be grieved. And the people are stunned. They're like, how can we not cry? Look what we've done to God. We've forgotten God. We, we, we're, we're filled with sin. We're filled with, 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 with moving away from God. And, and he says, no, no, no. You're not listening to his own word. God himself says, don't live in the, in the default of gloom and doom. Rejoice. Rejoice in the presence of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So today, let us allow that joy to overcome us, the joy that, 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 that was given to us when we were called, when we were anointed, when we were sent. Let us have that same joy as those people who filled that city and listened intently and quietly. Let us be filled with the Lord who really is our strength. When difficulty comes our way, whether it be illness or age or, or, or financial or problems within our relationships, let that joy of God be the foundation on which we live. And God will see that it is good in the end. Nehemiah says to us today that the taste of sorrow is sweet, but God always remembers who we are and where we belong. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We have been chosen to bring glad tidings to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. We have been chosen to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim this year acceptable to the Lord.